when music starts that it's like it is like double dutch it's like a it's like a jump rope situation that like a dance right is that is that how i'm supposed to see it or am i just tone deaf and don't understand how music works are you tone deaf yes can you dance no guilty feet got no rhythm but here's the thing i think that (laughs) music is definitely a dance because everyone's got to work in concert oh just dropping mad pun son uh, to make the shit sound good. So yeah, like when I hit You know, one of the things that I've been doing through the quarantine is is like actually dancing by myself. I had never <laughs> done that before. Is there any way that we can get on a Zoom while you dance by yourself? Well, then I'm not dancing by myself. No, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for somebody else. <laughs> No, no, no. You just do your normal, I'm alone, no one's watching dance, and then I sit with my camera off and my sound off, and I laugh hysterically to myself. Well, you know, the thing is, is that it's mad sexual. I've got, (laughs) I'm like, I'm really rolling my hips, I'm fucking the ottoman. I'm I'm just, I'm just like, I I watched a two-hour YouTube DJ set and danced. Like, what, this is, it you know like people would always be like oh dance like nobody's watching but like i you're like i do i think it would be very inappropriate for me to dance like nobody's watching when i'm actually at the club if i was like in the corner of the dance club just just fucking the floor like (laughs) sir you need to leave (laughs) you are not prince are you prince you're not prince you're gonna we need you to leave right now yeah i'm more of more of a shakira i roll my hips oh (laughs) Is it weird how much I want to see that? Is that strange? And I mean, I would like pay my, oh wait, that's just a strip club. Never mind, forget it. Um, you just came? I'm sorry, finish that sentence. They've already, they've already invented those. I just, I used to do that though as well. I would put on like sets for my favorite DJs. When, this is when I was doing drugs um, in LA. And I would put on sets for my favorite DJs and just like interpretive dance in my living room. Ooh. Okay. I'm not trained in interpretive dance. Like, I, I have nothing to do with that. Wait, is interpretive dance something that you can get trained in? I thought that was just, yeah. like, just doing what your body told you to do. I'm sure that it, I'm sure that 99.9% of it is exactly that. You know what? That's disrespectful to someone's art form. But we can all agree that that art form is trash. But anyway, <laughs> anyway <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is that I think that all forms of dance have some you can get some sort of training in, right? I'm pretty sure interpretive dance is a thing you almost have to get trained in because, right? Or is that crazy? How's somebody going to tell me how to interpret myself? You know what? <laughs> That's a good point. True, you, right? You can't Episode like, 13. But I, I feel like though, in the same token, you can't just walk into a literary class and be like, yo, son, I have no training whatsoever, but I'm about to interpret the shit out of these poems. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do that. You need some sort of training to identify. I don't know. You know what? I think I would want some fresh eyes on my poem. Somebody that's never interpreted a poem before. I want to say, what does this mean to you? You know what we should do? We should get someone who's never done anything to do all the stuff. 
a baby. turn it on its head. I hate those guys. You're you're being that guy right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we're in episode 13. My name is Stephen Campbell. Oh, we didn't even introduce ourselves. My name is Stephen Campbell, and we are the nonprofits. You, nobody's ever going to know your name if you always keep saying that you're Stephen Campbell. It's literally right below my face. It's oh, Frankie. It's literally right under my face. They're oh, going, okay. oh, man, we don't know which one's Stephen Campbell. They're so confused right now. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, we got Cabin Fever comedy on the show today. I'm stoked about it because these guys were, these guys and a gal, um, you know, and I mean that, I don't know if this is offending anyone's gender situations. I am a card-carrying member of the LGBTQ community and I'm black, so I can say what I want. And Anyways, I ride her coattails. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I was saying is that I love these guys. I'm, I'm really excited to have them on. We're doing... Um, working with charities and kind of crowdfunding organizations for this month that are specifically working within the Black community. And these guys are doing that. And I love that. So we've had a lot of nonprofits on. We had one mutual aid fund on. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, And so I just really enjoy fucking with people that are helping in some way, shape or form, right? Um, Yeah, sure. It well, was... this is Black History Month. That's why I pointed out that we're having a bunch of whites on to talk about a nonprofit <laughs> that helps the Blacks. Like that, you know what I mean? I want it to make sense. Sure, sure. Um, it is this like weird thing that we, you know, we talked about with all of our scholars is that it is a awkward and uncomfortable uh, discussion on like how do white people fit into this fight right like or this this call it a fight but um it was this thing so when george floyd was murdered there were protests over the weekend um if any of you missed it and uh on monday so frankie and i had a show with a bunch of other great comics where we it was called french roast where we were roasting individuals uh prize roasting them it was fucking genius it was so fun it was really good we'd have people on a zoom that they thought they were having like a surprise party and we would just make fun of them they'd cry a little bit outstanding um and so on monday we had a meeting and the meeting was to discuss how we were going to uh continue the silliness of making fun of individuals and obviously it was just a not the time to have that discussion and while we were on the call so it was the first time i had been present during present with black people when an atrocity was happening do you know what i mean like it, it was i've i've <clears throat> like in the room with, uh, with friends who are black while they were being received while they were receiving some right right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. while we were on the call um uh, the the guy's name is David McAfee, McAfee or something like um, man in Louisville who was known in the community as, as the barbecue guy that yes. was out like passing out sandwiches, cooking up and stuff like that. And he had, he was shot in the middle of the protest uh, unprovoked and unarmed the- by the police. Yeah. Right. And so it was the first time that I had been present when news was received, like present with with black friends, when news was received, and um, it was a very powerful thing. You know, let the white man make this all about uh, white men, but 
It was I a very powerful. You're watching, like, ooh, do tell. <laughs> yeah, please. It, let me tell you how the black struggle affects white. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but it was a very powerful thing to be a part of. You know, everybody, everybody's crying, and everybody is was hurt. And so, one of the comments that I had said during that conversation was, "I think this is time for me to shut up." Right, like it, it's not really my. Uh, it's not my time. To, you know, sit in the background, listen and learn, kind of a thing. And so it was a thing that you and Dara, shout out to Dara Jamat, um, okay, both had said that like, nah, this is when you need to be uh, the loudest. You know, okay. and so we started fundraising and and since then we've done, you know, a lot of work with a, a lot of different black oriented causes. Um, but it was this thing that I, and, and Frank, I'd love to hear what you, your thoughts on it, but it is this thing of white people wanting to support where they can, but not really, not really knowing the landscape. You know what I mean? Like not really like really understanding how to be, um, a value add to that conversation mm-hmm. outside of just, you know, calling out racist uncles at Thanksgiving. I had an uncle that stormed the Capitol, by the way. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, Oof. Um, you know, so I think that, I think you touched on a lot of really great points. I think that the number one thing, and many won't agree with what I'm about to say, uh, you know, regardless of what ethnicity they are, but I, in, in my opinion, from my perspective, what Black Americans have gone through, are going through, and are working to eradicate, it's not a Black issue. It's a human issue. And I think that, you know, and that that's a a belief I, Dara will be on. Oh, that's right. Um, If you guys want to see Dara Jamat, she's going to be on Zillavision, which I think is after this show tonight, right here on uh, Comedy Hub. I just want to it's in the comments. Around, motherfuckers. Yeah, I just want to promote that really quick in the middle of my very poignant statement. But um, <laughs> back to what I was saying, you know, I, I believe that this is a human issue. And I think that, sure, are there times where our white allies should defer to their Black counterparts? Absolutely. Of course there are. Um, however, uh, and at the same time, I think that it's important for our white allies to do the work and and the, to put the time in and to ask the questions. And, and oftentimes I hear some of my white friends say, well, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. I don't know what to do. I don't give a shit. You know, and I, and I say that with love. I don't mean that in a, in a mean, disrespectful, insensitive way. I don't care. It's okay that you feel uncomfortable. It's okay that you feel awkward. We feel uncomfortable and awkward too. So we're going to be uncomfortable and awkward together and figure, and we can figure it out together. Does that, does that make sense? Like, I feel like that's a very hard stance I have. Sure. I feel like our, <laughs> You know, white people should be working as hard, if not harder. And yes, it's, it is talking to your racist uncle at Thanksgiving, but it's also putting your body on the line when you see your black friend in the street getting the shit kicked out of them. You it's know also I mean? this like wildly liberal thing that if you if you make a misstep, then mm-hmm. people will pile on, and typically. It's white people that pile and then, on. And that's what I was going to say. Right. If you notice, it's not your black friends piling on. Your black friends are going to DM you like, yo, man, look, you fucked up. I know you fucked up. You know you fucked up. Let's fix it. Sure. Nine times out of 10, your black friend's going to do that. I've done it for my friends that I've seen online or out of shows or in a conversation, just like record scratch, say or do something. And everyone's like, and I'm like, oh. 
this white nigga right here. And now I got to, <laughs> you know, and that's the homie. So I got to go through the back door. Like, look, I can't let people see me talking to you right now. And you know why, but you need to fix that shit. And here's why, sure. you know what I mean? I, I think that also there's this, there's this, um, you know, I, I, before I go there, I, I created these two very drastic differences about talking to your uncle at Thanksgiving and putting your body on the line, but there's a lot of work in between there. That's also important. You know what I mean? Getting behind policies and, and bills and, and, and legislation that will help your, your counterparts, your marginalized friends. Like, you know, I think oftentimes people, I'm, I'm voting my interest. And yes, that is your God-given right. Yes, you have the right to vote your interest, but isn't it in our interest for all of us to be safe? Do you get what I'm saying? And, and I think that a lot of times we, we miss that. And voting, because when I vote my interest, when I'm, I'm voting for me, I'm looking at the bigger, the biggest picture possible. What makes all of us comfortable? What makes all of us safe? I'm not looking at, well, what's my bottom line? Even when I was making like, you know, high six figures working in corporate America, I didn't vote to save my dollar and to protect my dollar. You know what I mean? That's, that's selfish and it's insensitive. And I didn't really need to do that because financially we were perfectly fine. Wish I had a now because um, the big broke. But <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, I think those are the conversations that we need that we really need to have. Um, and what I was getting ready to, to drive to is that we live in this space now, um, especially you know with the internet and social media. We live in this space where you said a thing, you did a thing ten years ago. You are over. You're canceled. You're done. We're finished with you. Move on. And that's not right. We're, we get nowhere. Now, are some things hard lines? Of course, absolutely. You know, um, at the same time, there are people that flub up and make racial, racially insensitive or um, issues against LGBTQ plus um, orientations who with some education, with some kindness and understanding and conversations, you can help them to see the error and, you know, and give them some guidance to get right with whatever that is. But I think we have to have that space where there is room for redemption and understanding. And I know that a lot of my black counterparts will hard disagree. And I completely understand that. And I, I felt like that for a long time. It's not my job to educate you. It's, it's not my responsibility to give you the information, look for it. And I think that is true on, you know, to an extent, if you're just lazy and not interested in putting in any kind of work, but you want to continue to flap your gums and state your opinions, well, then you're kind of a piece of shit. Sure. You're not, you know what I mean? Like you're not really, what you're saying is just, they're just words with air. You're not putting, there's no substance um, behind it to quantify anything that you're saying. But if you're making these conscious efforts and your information is just wrong and you don't know, it's not necessarily my responsibility, but if I want any kind of change for me, the person that I am right now in this moment, I'm going to reach out and try to educate you. There was also um, this, so I think a lot over the last year, especially, there has been this knee jerk thing where if you believe in a certain way, fuck you, right? You know, oh, and yeah. and one of the things that's been shitty about like masks, for instance, like, I didn't want to know your political beliefs from this far away, right? And it, it is just this thing where I'll tell you. So I went to California for my grandma's funeral and I had to get my hair cut. And so I went to this barbershop and there was just this little white lady in there and she wasn't wearing a mask. And so I, I went in, I was rocking my mask. 
and she kind of like gave me a little bit of guff about it, but she, she, she puts her mask on and quickly in the conversation, she says some shit about how like the numbers are being misrepresented, all this stuff. And I was like, yo, I'm not having this conversation with you. That was it. And then we just started talking about her fucking collie and her little dog and all this stuff. And, and, and I, it was just this thing of like, I forgot about having simple conversations with simple people. And it was just this thing of like, damn, like I, I have been guilty of it very recently of just quickly mentally canceling people. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it is this thing of like some, some belief systems, you just can't fuck with a person because they're not on the side of, of progress or on the side of. Agree. Of- right. I, I do agree with. So. That's what, that's what I'm trying to clarify. I, I do think that there are there absolutely are thought processes, belief systems, um, actions, uh, posts even, that are beyond the pale. And I'm just like, you know what? You like eating babies on Tuesdays. I can't fuck with that. You know what I mean? Like, I can't get behind that. So I'm going to cut this baby eating motherfucker off like that. Because every Tuesday we got nonprofits episode. Every, and, and, and also every Tuesday we got a nonprofits episode. <laughs> But what I'm, what I'm talking about is in the bigger scheme, in the bigger concept of racial and social injustice and that around that specific conversation. I think that, you know, and I've had these conversations with different white friends or allies who feel uncomfortable asking questions or looking for information or doing things because they're afraid of doing the wrong thing and then being in trouble, sure. you know, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying like we... We need to make white people feel safe. I feel like you guys feel just fine in America. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that it is that we have to say it's okay if you fuck up. If your intentions are solid and good. Do you get what I'm saying? If, you're, if your sure. intentions are true and good and you say, post, do, act in the wrong way when it comes to racial and social injustice. And I come to you and say, hey, Stephen, you know, you really can't say the N word. And then you're like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, hard stop. Uh, what? <laughs> right. You're like, well, actually, you know, yeah. you know. That's- but, but seriously, you know, I've had friends say, you know, I feel uncomfortable having conversations around race because sure. I don't want to say the wrong thing. What I'm saying is we have to be okay with our friends maybe saying the wrong thing, because a lot of times it's not with ill intention. It is out of the fact of ignorance or they just don't know, or they haven't been informed or they're really asking a question because they are wondering. And so sure. we, we have to, uh, to some degree, allow that room for you, for us to have, because if we don't have those discussions, if we never have those open conversations, one, I never really know you as my friend. You can never really love me and we can never really be friends and really connect because we can't, I, you know me, Stephen, I like to get down in the fucking dirt with a conversation. Like we're going to talk about all the shit. I do it with my daughter. You know what I mean? I don't care how uncomfortable she is with something. I'm like, well, that's definitely the thing we're going to talk about. Right. And I love saying the N word. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Anybody listening, jokes happen. Uh... (laughs) Anyone listening, he does. But, but, you know, so here's a, here's a perfect example. And we were talking about this earlier at um, kind of the height of the, the protests, um, when tension was very high, you know, and, and, and you know this, and anybody watching, I think probably knows this, I was pregnant 
early on in the pandemic um, and right before I was out of my third trimester and I miscarried, right, unfortunately. And that miscarriage came due to stress. And the stress I was under was due to watching black bodies fall in the street almost daily. Like it was horrific. And all of my friends, all of my friends that are black, um, you know, we have like this phone tree and chain where we talk and communicated heavily with each other during this time. And we were all going through a lot. It was physically painful. I was literally losing one to two pounds a day in body weight because I like, that's just how stressed I was. Um, and I had a young white girl text me, Hey, Frankie, um, would you be willing, I'm, I'm doing the show on blah, blah, blah date. All the comics are donating their time for Habitat for Humanity. Will, will you donate your time? And I said, very nice. You know, thank you for thinking of me. Um, but this is a, it's a difficult time. And I'm only donating my time. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm only donating my time to BLM related causes right now. Um, and that I felt like should have been the end of the conversation. Right. And she kept doubling down. She says, well, yeah, you know, I hear you, but I kind of already started this. So I'm going to see it through. And, you know, we were thinking about sprinkling something about um, housing disparagement, like in the black community, but you know what, it didn't work out. And I'm just like, <laughs> so then I went on a, a, I said a longer statement to her starting off with, you know, I tried to be kind with my decline and now you're doubling down and then you have the nerve to tell me you were going to sprinkle something in to tie it back. Like, that's like, just spit in my face and tell me you're pissing on me. You know what I mean? Oh, and that piss is rain. That's not the same. (laughs) I I know that's not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Just shit on my chest and tell me you're finger painting. Like, what oh shit. (laughs) I like that one way more. I like that one way more. I use that one. Um, But yeah, so in that instance, it's like, okay, you flubbed up. I gave you very clear context clues where you, the fuck up was. You didn't pick up. I again explained in a in deeper con, and you still didn't pick up. Like that's just a person being insensitive. Sure. But the initial contact, even the second response, okay, I get it. But now that I've thoroughly explained it to you, then it should end there. You know, and that's what I'm talking about. We have to allow room for that those types of mistakes. I think. Yeah, I think so. One of my when COVID started, I made a strict only watch the news one time a week rule, right? Because mm-hmm. it was just no new information coming in and it was psychologically fucking with me, right? So I was like, only Monday, that's the only day that I do news. And when George Floyd was murdered, I, I was like, I, I had got to, a, I would just recently got to a headspace where I was like, this is this is how you're maintaining your headspace and i was like i was like i'm not i'm not gonna delve into it because i need to maintain my own sanity and then it was just this like thing of like it's like ah word like that's white privilege like right like that's oh that's that's that shit because i am not personally being be you know i am not personally being affected like or like it's not something that i have to worry about going outside right and so it was just this thing of like oh shit like that that's some privileged ass shit to like try to just close out this news and it is this thing that like white privilege find like finding out about your white privilege is like finding out that like santa 
is real, right? And he's going to keep on giving you gifts that you did nothing to earn, <laughs> but he's been skipping the black neighborhood, right? Like that he's just, he's, it, and, and every Christmas you get fucking toys and you're just like- Everything on your list, all of that Everything on my list. I was like, this is so cool. And then like- And some stuff you didn't even put on the list. What? <laughs> You didn't even, you just walked down the street. You got more from Santa. And then there's like an oil spill in the North Pole. And you're pretty sure Santa did that. And you're like, oh, I feel bad about these gifts that I'm getting. And then you keep getting gifts. And then you find out that he's turning the elves into sex slaves. And I was like, God damn it, Santa, stop giving me all these gifts. But I just keep getting them in, in, in the thing. Right? Like I want to <laughs> say something, but also like I want to keep my Xbox. Right? And right. so like, I don't know what to, <laughs> what to do. Is I, so I guess- what I'm saying is just let people, black people play with your Xbox. <laughs> My Xbox even means penis. But um, <laughs> I had a similar experience, Stephen, uh, in that I got a little taste of white privilege. I don't know if you, you see these glasses. I didn't have these at the start of the pandemic, hmm. if, you, if you remember. Um, I did wear glasses often during doing comedy, but it was my Clark Kent syndrome. I would wear them to like as, a, as my mask. And so I could have right. some distance between myself and the audience. Here's what people didn't know, though. They never had lenses in them. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? What a creep. But anyway, um, so one day in the pandemic, I woke up and I was blind. Not really, but my vision was diminished, right? And I'm freaking out. I've always had superior 2020 perfect fuck you. I can see everything. Like my vision's always been amazing. So I go to the ophthalmologist. She does her eye exam. She's like left eye 2020 still good. Right eye. You have the tiniest stigmatism. We can just put a very mild prescription. You'll be fine. And so I say, Oh, stigmatism. Um, let's slap some LASIK on this puppy. (laughs) Get me back to that full 2020 holler at your girl. Right. She says to me, people that get LASIK, can only get their vision as good as yours is now. And then I said, but I just want to see better than those people. And that's what privilege is. <laughs> so I get it. Like I completely fucking get it. We should, we should bring our group up now. This, Let's we're, do we're it. Like, we've, yeah, we've dug into this episode. We've, we, and we've been, been killing it. We're, we're doing great. <laughs> I mean, um, I feel pretty good about the work we've done so far. So let, let, let's tell the people... Why they're on their show. Steven, what is Cabin Fever Comedy? Cabin Fever Comedy is a group based out of Chicago. They've been doing- And uh, Boston, don't forget And that. Boston, and Boston. Get together. Sorry, um, lobster roll. And, um, and so uh, they've been doing virtual comedy shows to raise money for BLM and started during the pandemic. I'm sure we'll find out a lot more, but we got Nash Flynn, got Andrew Nadeu. Is it Nadeu? Nadeau, so close. No, okay. And we got just, just some guy. A female deer. Okay. <laughs> and just some guy. Boom, 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 boom. Excited to have you guys. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Great to have me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be self-aware. Hilarious. Um, so tell us a little bit about what y'all have been doing over the last year, how the idea was born and, and how things have been going over uh, since then. Yeah. Um, so we started this shortly after uh, COVID began, early enough that Cabin Fever Comedy was still a fairly unique name uh, for uh, a stand-up uh, showcase, uh, Zoom showcase during all this. And um, yeah, we actually started out originally with uh, Comedy Gives Back. Um, oh. 
I mean, as you guys know, I know you work with them too. It's a great organization. And um, we really just, we wanted to help. You know, we knew everyone was struggling. We wanted to, obviously, you all know why we get into comedy, which is largely self-serving. We also like making people laugh. We felt like this would be a good thing to do. We felt like people needed help. We knew comedians were struggling. It was great. And then, um, obviously, the world got worse. (laughs) Um, And it was right after George Floyd that we quickly switched gears. Um, And we said, you know, we, we this is obviously the... Comedians will be okay. Uh, they'll, they'll hang in there. We, we want to uh, see if we can raise some money for where it's going to help the most. Uh, so we switched over to uh, Black Lives Matter. We found some fantastic comedians that are uh, donating their time uh, to put these shows on every other week with 100% of proceeds uh, going to the Chicago chapter of Black Lives Matter, who are, of course, doing some great work. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a it's been a privilege. It's been great to, to be able to uh, contribute in some way here. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's basically what about, I mean, Nash, just some guy, this is, I, I, did I get that right? That, that's what it felt like for me. You did good. You did good. Thank you. <laughs> you guys want to add anything before we start firing off the questions? I don't know uh, about things. Our next show is this weekend. You guys, you guys should watch because the lineup's uh, going to be uh, mad dope. It's going to be mad sick. Mad yeah, sick yeah, and yeah. mad dope. And it's on yeah. Comedy Hub, guys. <laughs> and it's on Comedy Hub. We got Laura Kill Martin. We got Robbie Slowick. We got Tim Barnes. We got Alan Strickland Williams. Um, and uh, we have Jenny Yang. So it is. Uh, oh, it's, it's I love Jenny. She's, still, yeah, she's, she's hilarious. Yeah, I love her. She's fantastic. She was one of the 10 comics to watch for Variety this year. Oh, oh she's yeah, so yeah, good. Was. Yeah. And uh, on top of us doing live fundraisers during the show for Black Lives Matter, we also have a Patreon called cabin fever comedy that not only will also go towards donating to black lives matter but we also want to start paying our comics despite them lending their time because comics do still need to get paid and sure. it sucks that we haven't been able to do that yet so i wanted to drop our patreon as well i think that's an awesome note just to kind of reiterate and highlight the fact that i mean i think people watching think like oh that's cool you turn on your zoom and you put together the show and then you donate the money but um, I just want to kind of say that a lot goes into putting together a show. Like it's, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy, a lot of stress, like, and, and oftentimes a lot of your own money out of your pocket. Um, yeah. you don't get to recoup, especially when you're putting something on for charity. So good on you guys for making the effort. I know Stephen and I were talking earlier about some other um, fundraising groups, not at all, you guys. Um, but that do comedy shows and just from their marketing and kind of the way that they've done things, we, you, it's very clear to see that the goal is to line their own pockets. Um, and Stephen and I do a lot of fundraising work. And I can say from the time we, when we first met going on seven years now, we both were just very passionate just at the general idea of helping people. You know what I mean? What that meant seven years ago, we, I don't think either one of us were, were really sure. Stephen's definitely gone way deeper down that road, getting his MBA in that field, starting companies in that field, and really putting in a lot of work on the ground in the field of fundraising. Um, I have used my Black queer female privilege to just ride his coattails in that sense. Um, thank right. you, Stephen. And- <laughs> privilege 69ing. <laughs> <laughs> Might, might be one of the funniest things you've ever said <laughs> like that was oh that was good um but in all seriousness um i think it's important to highlight because one of our goals for this month was to highlight nonprofits and groups that were specifically working 
to eradicate health aid issues within the black community, since it's black, especially because it's Black History Month. And um, as you all can see watching, this is a very white audience or white group. And that's fine. And, and that's what I, you know, what I want to make clear that it's fine. I, I feel like you guys are allies. We had some great convos yesterday and the work that you've done is, is impressive and appreciated. How does it feel? And I, I would love if you would answer individually, how, how do you guys feel being white in this space? You know what I mean? Like, and, and not like, you know, just whatever your thoughts are around that. Yeah. I, I, Oh, Nat, you have something. Go ahead. No, I, I feel, um, awkward uh is, is the 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 first feeling um because ultimately i want to help i want to do what's right and i know that i am most likely not going to guess what that is i can read and, and research and i i think um my general mindset here has been let me just assume i'm trying my best but that i'm wrong um <laughs> And that um, I think is a hard mindset to, to get around that if if I'm disagreeing with someone in, in my mind, obviously in conversation, I want to listen first. But if I feel like, no, it doesn't sound right to me, let me assume I'm wrong. Let me assume that they have the experience and they know better. Maybe I'm going to look, at, look it up afterwards and find out, no, they, they didn't. This was an outlier. This person was just making something up. They had no idea. But uh, let me assume I don't know. And let me see if I can get into a position where I can just boost people who do know. And it's been such a privilege. And I, I think the struggle has been, um, this is something I, I really believe in and I want to do it and I want to participate in it, but I want my voice in it to be quiet. And as a comedian, I want my voice to be loud. Uh, I, I have platforms where I get to be up there and talk and I love that I get to do that. Um, but on this show, you know, I'll do my set when I can, I'll host when I can, but the point of the show is to give space to people who know better than I do. And um, I, I think what's been interesting about that is that I don't feel like that's me doing something to help. That feels like a privilege for me that I get to participate in this, that I get to come up here every other week and listen to people who are saying these brilliant things uh, and have these great takes and this great insight. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel awkward. I feel wrong a lot. And I, I feel like I want to, uh, you know, make sure that I'm using my platform to, to speak up, but also that I'm never trying to lead here. I want to follow the people who know what they're doing. Sure. Uh, and I feel very lucky to have been able to do that. Thank you for your insight, Andrew. Nash or just some, when do you guys want to give your takes? So I think one of the bigger privileges for me um, was that 2020 was really my wake up call. Um, you know, I got to 33 without really having to deal with too much of what the black community faces their whole lives. Um, so when George Floyd died, I felt like a lot of privileged white people felt. I felt hopeless. I felt like we couldn't figure out a way to just be people on earth. And it felt systemic. Um, so I feel like one of the, the true gifts of this show is really feeling, is really feeling that uncomfort in a way that is, it, it is both amusing because it's, it's comedy and it's also heartbreaking. Um, we had Samson McCormick on the show pretty early on into into a lot of the writing, and I remember I he love Samson. He is one of He's my favorites. Um, and he did a set that was that was about rioting, and so he did a couple of jokes that were very funny. And then at the very end, it got very poignant um, because he's obviously very connected to to what's happening um, and and moved by it in a way that that felt real to me. Um, and I remember after he finished talking, I was a host and it took me 30 seconds to remember I was supposed to say something. 
it was like <laughs> shit and everyone was like oh you have a show and I was like all oh, right yes I'm hosting thank you um that was right, right. and so it has felt it has felt like at least we're we're doing something and I'm I'm relatively new as a comedian and performer so this whole thing has been like eyes open for me um in, in a lot of ways and and for my liver um because on the show I do shots in celebration of donations so oh, every episode well, I hope you're drunk as shit every episode, but I just want to, before I, um, I get, we get to you, just some, I want to um, just kind of follow up on something you said, Nash, that I've heard from a lot of my white friends and or allies or just people I, I've known in the comedy community that they're just kind of having this awakening, mm-hmm. which is interesting and painful all at the same time, because I don't know if you guys know this, and I'm going to share something um, that is, you know, very close, I think, to the Black community and, and, and almost particular to the Black community. But you, you get to an age when you're a child where your parent has to sit you down and explain to you how to be safe and how to save your life when you're traversing the world, just in general. Um, you know, my daughter was probably, I want to say six or seven, the first time someone called her a nigger. You know what I mean? And I had to explain to her what that was, why, you know, and, and was mad at myself for forgetting to do it sooner. And it's like, we lose like this kind of pure, innocent place in our hearts when we're kids growing up because our that's snatched away from us. And, and we're told no one gives a fuck about you. Like you need to understand, no one's gonna give a fuck about you. No one's gonna help you. You have to help yourself. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> I think that's where Steven, when, when we were talking and you're like, it feels uncomfortable sometimes. I think that's where that discomfort feels and why it may seem like Black folks are just like, I don't give a fuck you're uncomfortable. This is what it is. It's not because we don't give a shit about you as a human. It's because we've literally grown up with this. We've we've known and felt this information from being a child. So it's it's like breathing to us. So we're like, yeah, okay, all that's cool, but this is what it's about. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's not so much an an attack. It's just like, oh, you don't know how to eat with a spoon? (laughs) dog look <laughs> let me grab this bowl of cereal put some milk in there grab this big ass spoon i'm about to show you and it's there's a, not really a whole lot of tenderness like around that it's a it's a thing so um i just started going to therapy when uh just during covid and i won't i won't have any therapist that's not a black woman Mm. Um, and your black mom. because it's just this thing of like, you know, like where, where I grew up, you know, I've had 23 friends killed in some way, shape or form, Mo- it, it, gang, drugs, all this different stuff. And it is this thing of, I know that just by the fact that you are a black woman, you've dealt with some trauma, right? Like where, where, like, I, I, you know, I don't, if, if I've got a white lady therapist, I've got to dig into her life for a little bit. We spend the first fucking five sessions, me asking like, why do you think you deserve to tell me? How can you help me? Right, right. Where I I just know that a, that a black woman's fucking gone through it, you know? I love love that perspective. Like I cannot tell you how much I'm in love with that. The fact that, because I, if you guys, I don't think we did this on, on air, but I jokingly, you know how if you have a friend and you're like, oh, I wish we were sisters or you have someone you're like, oh, if we were into each other, we'd totally date. So I love Steven on that level, but I wouldn't want to be like his girlfriend or his sibling. I'd want to be his mom. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's where the joke about having a black mama came from. Okay, just some. What are your thoughts about being white in this um, in this space? Uh, you know, I think uh, more than ever, it's uh, our responsibility to fix what we broke. And uh, even though you may say historically you haven't uh, done anything systematically oppressive, you don't also know that. So you know, it 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 it's putting away ego and it's putting away. Uh, any preconceived notions of just saying like there is there is ep- an epidemic. There's always been an epidemic of 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 abuse and systemic racism and prejudice against uh, the black community, and nothing's going to get better unless uh, you know the the majority, at least the vast majority of of white people fix what they started, and uh, it's, it goes back to the foundation of this country. And a lot of white folks like to deny that, and I think that shit needs to end. And uh, so we're just doing a little bit we can with our show. Very. Well said. Can I ask, I love that. Do you think that white people's pushback to address that it is a systemic thing, do you think it comes from a place of an attack of identity almost like that? For for me to admit that I have been part of the problem, it, I, okay, is a, a weird one. So I, I am able to admit that I have been part of the problem, right? Have I said racist jokes in the past? Fuck yes, I have. Are they some of the funniest? Sometimes. And, <laughs> but but in, I think that there's a lot of people that with admitting that there is a systemic issue that they have been a beneficiary of, it is this thing that is an attack of an identity is how they feel and how they take it and how it is perceived by a lot of people, right? And do you, have you, A, have you ever felt that? And B, how do you think that we talk to other white people about that little fragile ego situation? I think for a lot of people, they, they tend to have a hard time looking beyond themselves. So I know I've heard so many white stories of, so many stories of white folks saying, well, you know, I have it hard. Nobody's helping me. I've had these struggles and nobody's helping me. And it's like, okay, but your struggles aren't because of who people see you as. It has nothing to do with your pigmentation. You might have grown up with shitty parents. You might have grown up in a shitty town, whatever, you know, bad spouse. I don't know. But it's not because of your color. It's just, it's because of other, it's because of other reasons, really. Um, and so we're just dealing with this one issue. And that is that in this country, there are people that are born second class and that uh, that really needs to go away. And I think people just don't see beyond that. And I do think there are there are people, yeah, who who feel personally attacked when you talk about uh, their ancestry, which I don't know why, because it has nothing to do with who we are. I think just accepting the fact that our great grandparents, our great great grandparents were probably all fucking racist. I don't see why that has to make you feel like you are attacked. And even if you are attacked, get the fuck over it. There is an issue. There are people dying in the streets every day. We have millions of examples of people being you know, persecuted and oppressed and, and, and bigoted against. And, you, you know, you really just need to grow up and look beyond yourself. I think that's what I was talking about a little bit ago. I'm sorry, Nash. I'll, I'll shut the fuck up in just a second. But that's what I was talking about just a second ago, Stephen, is that, um, <laughs> is, that, um, is, that, is that space, right? Where, so no, right, you're, you're right, just um, right, get the fuck over it. At the same time, in order to engage some of those people so they can get the fuck over it, we have got to create a space where 
Yes. Have you said some racist shit? Sure, probably. Have you benefited from systemic racism? Sure, definitely. That's okay. Use Take your privilege that we all know that you have and now flip it and use it to, to help those that are in need. Do you get what I'm saying? Like having yep. that space of, of forgiveness so that people don't feel so so much discomfort with acknowledging and accepting and, and, and openly saying, yes, I have been... What does that say? Shower. Are oh, you going to take a shower? Okay, love you. That's my daughter. <laughs> I'm also trying to be a motherfucking mom right now, bitch. Um, a motherfucking mom? <laughs> that, well, I am by. Anyway, okay. my point is... <laughs> I'm a, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> but, but, my, but that was my point, is that I think oftentimes people don't come to terms with what's actually happening because of that reason that you stated, Stephen, and the reason that they don't is because of the fear of persecution if they do. Sure. You get what I mean? If I admit that I've been a piece of shit in these different areas or different points of my life, what does that say about me as a person? How do I come back from that? Because we don't give people the space to come back. We don't offer redemption. We just offer persecution and, and excommunication. I'm you in a place that I'll... Well, I'm in a place that I'll hate myself for eating Taco Bell for days afterwards. I mean, you should die in a fire if you eat. Why don't you just like sit on a toilet and just eat Taco Bell? I mean, that's, that's all it is. It's only a colonic. That's all that Taco Bell is. You can only blame yourself for that one, man. Yeah, it's true. It's systemic. There's Taco Bell everywhere in this neighborhood. That is self-persecution. Is what 100%. That is. Um, Nash, you were going to say something. I mean, I think I think for, for white people, it, it really some of it comes down to this denial of personhood, which we're not used to, you know, unfortunately the black community feels that a lot, especially on a, on a societal scale. And when it becomes us versus them, white people aren't used to that sort of erasure, which they feel, you know, keenly. So I think, I think sometimes they feel like, well, the black community gets this and I get nothing. And it's like, well, you don't get nothing. If we're all doing better, we all get better things. But they aren't used to hearing this. Well, if they get something and I get nothing, that's nothing for me. Right. They but just want to see better than those people. Right. <laughs> well, it's a childish mentality. Like if there's a poor kid and a, and a rich kid and they're friends and the poor kid gets a gift, the rich kid's still going to want a gift feeling like he doesn't have as much. And it's like, no, man, you got everything. Like right. this kid getting a gift doesn't mean that you didn't get one, you know, right. that, that or you didn't deserve one. It's just this kid got a gift. Like, don't you, it just doesn't have to be about you. It really just yeah. goes back to how we are as small children. And that, that personification has just added to the problem. Agreed. And I think it's a message that we send, you know, sort of universally, universally to our children as parents and participants in a capitalist system where it's what you have is what you have and what you can fight for. And if you don't do those things, then your value is less. Mm -hmm. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I um, had an interesting conversation online with a white trans man earlier today who made an abhorrent post saying, there are only two genders. Fight me was his post. Um, right, yes. You, you, I don't even need to explain what, what the fuck about that, but- I've so, never been only two genders. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? I was just saying there have never been any, there have never been only two genders. People still don't get the difference between sex and gender. They don't, they just refuse. This is a trans man saying this as well. And so my initial comment was, um, I said, wow, how long after you transitioned did your white male privilege kick in? And he <laughs> went on, then he went on this. It's an like, auto update. 
What would you say? It's an iOS thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And then he went on this back and forth about how he grew up poor and, you know, he's never had privilege. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to break the news, but that is not how privilege works. It doesn't yeah. have to do with how you were brought up, what you were born into. If you had a mom and dad, that's not what privilege is. When you walk down the street, you present and look very clearly like a white man. I would never know the difference. I wouldn't ask to know the difference. I'm just assuming. And you get a certain level of understanding, um, uh, benefit of the doubt, walking and traversing the earth that is not afforded to a man of your same age, height, weight, who is of a different color. You don't. Uh, you know, and he just could not grasp that concept. He ultimately blocked me, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yep. It's fine. But we're going to talk about that on By the Way They're Gay, me and Bella next week or this week. Oh, yeah. Shout out Frankie's podcast on Friday. Uh, Fridays? When is it? Fridays. Fridays, Fridays but what yeah. time? Yeah, it's been painful to watch. Bella has, she's, she has not enjoyed the process, but we've made some changes. I have a 15 year old daughter who's an openly gay young woman. And we do a show called By the Way They're Gay, and we talk about all things parenting, BIPOC, gay, LGBTQ, all the stuff in the thing. That's that's tough to be your first uh, stage situation is to talk about your sexuality in front of a live streaming audience. That's 100% was the problem. <laughs> yeah. And she, and she was like, you know, to make a long story short, we have this show. It's It's going to be super dope. We've changed the format in terms of she and I will now be in the same room, sitting in the same space, having a conversation. So she'll be far more comfortable, but we're going to actually address this because there is a pervasive issue in the LGBTQ community of um, white people in that identity who are still racist and homophobic, you know, and, and I want to talk about that. Like, that's so interesting to me. Like you definitely know what it feels like to be discriminated against, to have someone, to be sure. in, in physical fear of your life because of a thing you can't change. You you have a, an idea of what that's like. How dare you? You know what I mean? Like how double fucking dare you? So do you, have you guys ever had any experiences in, in that world? I'm just curious. Um, I mean, I, I think coming uh, from a, a place of, of privilege, we, we've had less experience of, of that. I'm... Um, I, I think there's this mindset of if I didn't have all privilege, I didn't have privilege. Mm -hmm. And that's really not the way it, it works. I'm, um, I'm disabled. Um, nobody can tell I'm disabled. So when it comes up, there's a very sudden shift in attitude and behavior. Um, but I'm well aware that for most of my life until someone hears this issue, it's something I'm dealing with. Um, mm -hmm. And you also do occasionally get a shift in tone of the way people uh, discuss an issue and then discuss an issue in front of you uh, once mm -hmm. they, they realize this is something that, that, that affects you. Um, but no, I, I think largely this is not one that does apply to me because I'm, I'm lucky. I'm in a position where I haven't been um, a, as affected by that. Um, but it, it still is always mind blowing to me when, when you see someone where it's like, this is, you do not need to put in much effort here to have this be better for everyone, including yourself. How are you on the wrong side of an issue that affects you personally? Um, Agreed. And Agreed. Mind boggling. And I, I think one of the strangest things, and it, it does tie into the, the aspect of privilege. Um, this is more for the bad actors. There's, there's some people obviously that are, are just, they, they're trying and they don't get it. Um, mm -hmm. But for those that are so insistent um, about that, they couldn't possibly have privilege. 
Um, and it's the it, it feels like the only thing white people can't be is victims of racism. And some of them want to be that so bad. And it's like you can have every, this is so indicative of the fact that you have this privilege is that right. this is the but only I thing. I want to be, be racially profiled. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Right. And then someone says about, about white people and they're like, oh, but this is racist. It's like, no, it's not. This is pointing out that you have privilege. If you think this right. is racism, that's the entire issue. Right. I, I'm going to say, I think you guys are fantastic. I love what you're doing. Please keep doing it. Um, we're we're going to wrap up here. But before we do, when is your next show? Please give the date and the time and the day um, because we're going to, people will know live right now, but we'll post this on all the streaming stuff on by Friday. And so let them know, anyone that listens to it before, when, um, what day and time your next show is and, and how can people find you and donate to your fund? Absolutely. We're good. Our next show is going to be on February 20th. Uh, it's a Saturday at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can watch us on this uh, station, twitch.tv slash comedy hub. Uh, we're going to have donation links in the chat as well and uh, to donate directly to Black Lives Matter through us. So we're in Nash. We'll do shots for every donation over $30 uh, in celebration because uh, Twitch has specific rules on when you're allowed to drink <laughs> in response to donation. Oh, um, and uh, we also do have the Patreon as well, which hopefully we can uh, include in the chat as well. But I believe that's patreon.com slash Nash. Is it um, Cabin Fever Comedy Show or Cabin Fever Comedy? Just Kevin Fever Comedy. We're on uh, Fever Comedy. Facebook and Instagram as Kevin Fever Comedy as well. And on Twitter as Kevin Fever Comedy. Kevin yeah. FVR Comedy. Perfect. Where can people, if you want people to follow you individually on Instagram, where can they find you? Um, and where can they follow Kevin Fever Comedy? Uh, they can follow me at the Andrew Nadeau um, on, on Twitter and Instagram and really across platforms. Um, Again, for Cabin Fever, it's the uh, Cabin Fever FVR comedy um, on uh, Nash. Is it the same on Instagram as well, or is that just Twitter? Oh, Instagram no. let us fit all of the vowels. So it's they Cabin let us use all of them. Fever. Instagram okay. and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook is Cabin Fever comedy. Twitter Perfect. is Cabin Fever comedy. Perfect. Nash, where can people follow you in your comedy? Everywhere I am, it's Nash Flynn. Got it. it. What about you, just some guy? Where can we follow you? Uh, Twitter, home underscore halfway. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> i've been frankie french and i'm stephen campbell and this has been the 13th episode 13th episode lucky number 13 baby lucky number 13 of nonprofits. um make sure you guys check out cabin fever comedy this coming saturday the 20th also saturday. oh sorry also oh, yeah. the one thing that we always forget to do you guys that are listening to the audio fucking like the podcast <laughs> give it a good review there we go. keep forgetting to do that um but but yes nonprofit podcast uh every tuesday at, on twitch and anywhere that podcasts live and share like it with your friends wait what'd you say just some like and subscribe like, like and, and subscribe, subscribe and share it with your friends let's sing them out steven Okay. <laughs> That's our theme song. Thank you guys, nonprofits, but make it hot pockets.